listener production. One magazine headline said it best. Taylor Swift is the music industry. A record demand for tickets yesterday. There were scenes of Tay Tay Cray Cray. Taylor Swift keeps on making music history. A new Bloomberg report puts the Grammy winner in the elusive billionaires club. Wow. The outlet citing her as one of the few recording artists to build a 10-figure fortune almost entirely from her music. Mm. Hi, I'm Sasha Barbagat. Thanks for joining us on today's extra episode of The Briefing. Yes, Taylor Swift is undoubtedly the biggest pop star in the world at the moment. And some of that success is thanks to her re-recorded albums. You've probably heard Taylor's version of big songs like You Belong With Me, I Knew You Were Trouble, and the most recent one, Shake It Off, from her latest chart-topping re-record of 1989. So why did one of the highest-selling musicians of all time decide to go back into the studio to re-release albums we've already heard? And what does it mean for the music industry going forward? Swifty Lauren Howarth from Listener has been looking into this <laughs> one. Thanks for joining us, Lauren. Why is Taylor Swift re-recording her albums? Yeah, so basically we'll go back to 2019. That's when her old record label, Big Machine Records, which she left in 2018, was sold to this man called Scooter Braun. So it gave Braun the rights to all the master recordings of her music. That meant that anyone that wanted to license one of Swift's songs to play in things like TV shows, movies, or even ads would have to ask for Braun's permission and pay him. Taylor says for years she pleaded for a chance to actually own her own work, but instead was given the chance to sign back up to Big Machine Records and earn one album back at a time for every new album that she created under the label. So she obviously didn't want to go into down that path again and described it as her worst case scenario. And here's Taylor on CBS back in 2019 telling us how it all went down. So how did you find out? I found out when it was online, like when it hit the news. Nobody in your inner circle Nobody knew. knew. And you didn't smell it? No. Now, could you re-record? Oh, Yeah. Might you do that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a plan? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it all started out as like a passion project for Taylor. She just wanted to own her own music, which she said she'd been writing on her bedroom floor and on tour. Mm. And she believes the artists have a right to own their own work. And that's why she wanted to re-record all the albums that she released with Big Machine Records. So obviously there are a lot of laws around this, these mm. <laughs> huge artists and production companies aren't just going, yeah, make some music. There are yeah. contracts, there are things to be signed, there are lawyers. How can artists be allowed to re-record music that's already been released? Yeah, so essentially when their contracts are drawn up, it has in there how much time needs to pass before they're allowed to re-record their music. Usually it's around five to seven years after the release of an album or two years after the end of their contract. So for Taylor, she had to wait five years to re-record her music. And she started releasing these re-records back in 2021. The first one being Fearless, Taylor's version. That was a new take on her 2008 album. And since then, she's dropped re-records for all of her stolen albums, which fans like to call it, mm -hmm. um, except for two. And all up, actually, she's released three new albums and four re-recorded albums since 2020, which is just nuts. Like, that is so much work. When does she shower? I, I don't know how she does it. That's I really what I don't. Know. She looks very clean, so I'm sure yeah. she's got the time somewhere. <laughs> Have we seen re-recorded albums and songs done before on this scale? 
definitely not on this scale. There's only a few examples that I can think of, but they, of course, haven't come close to reaching the success that Taylor has. Uh, Prince, for example, 17 years after he originally released 1999, he re-recorded the track and released a new EP with seven versions of the song. And more recently, U2 actually released an album this year. They reimagined and re-recorded 40 songs from throughout their career. I caught up with Charles Fairchild. So he's an associate professor of popular music at Sydney University. And this is what he told me when he first heard that Taylor was going to re-record. I kind of laughed because um, so every recording session is just there's just thousands of decisions that are made in the moment. Um, You have literally hundreds and hundreds of specific sounds, all of which are really carefully crafted to be quite specific. So the idea of re-recording an entire album is really hard to imagine. At the same time, it really was the only path that she had to reclaiming, to some extent, the uh, the early works. I guess as a complete no one and no novice in the music industry, I go, oh, they just walk in and yeah. just read off the piece of paper that they had last time. But there's so much work yeah. that goes into so it. Layers. Does there legally have to be a difference between the re-records and the originals? Yeah, it's a great question. Obviously, fans, when they're listening to these re-records, they might notice different sort of guitar or more bass. And, and Taylor's voice has obviously matured over the years. Um, but I asked Charles about the legal side of things, and this is what he had to say. Well, from my understanding of the copyright laws, it's quite specific. It says it doesn't matter if it sounds exactly like it, if the new recording has resulted from new activity, that is to say, new singing, new recording, new instruments, etc., it's fine. If it sounds exactly like the original, well, that's that's just a kind of happenstance in the eyes of the law. Yeah, fair, I guess. This is probably a stupid question. How successful have Taylor's re-records been? Yeah, I mean, they have just been like crazy successful. 1989 Taylor's version, for example, which only just dropped a couple of weeks ago, is actually her most successful album release ever. Like it's even beaten out the original, which was huge. You know, Shake It Off, Welcome to New York, all those massive tracks. Yeah. And it's only taken five days to become the best-selling release of 2023. It's just crazy. And the other re-records, they've also been big hits. Those songs dominating the Billboard charts. They've achieved both critical acclaim and commercial success. And just a little fun fact, Taylor always includes new songs on the albums, which are called vault tracks, which don't make it to the original release. So it gives fans something else to look forward to and kind of, you know, boost them up onto the charts. Mm. And she's turning 34 in December and there doesn't seem to be any stopping her at the moment. And it's kind of crazy to see how successful she is at the moment, considering what she said back in her 2020 documentary, which is called Miss Americana. It's a lot to process because we do exist in this society where women in entertainment are discarded in an elephant graveyard by the time they're 35. This is probably one of my last opportunities as an artist to grasp onto that kind of success. Yeah, I can't see that disappearing anytime no. soon. We see the concert sales, the ticket sales for her mo- the movie of yeah. her concert, which <laughs> like, is, yeah, I just, I don't see her slowing down no. and I don't see the world getting sick of her anytime soon. Oh, definitely not. Uh, quick question though, what happened to her old music? Is it still getting play on radios and what are her fans think about 
these old versions. Yeah, fans have totally embraced the Taylor's version and even radio stations here in Australia. As soon as the Taylor's version drops, that's being played because they want to support her in her quest to own her own music and then, of course, for potentially down the track future artists as well. And as I said before, you know, fans are calling her original records the stolen version. So Mm -hmm. they don't want to listen to that. They don't want to support Scooter Braun. They want to support... Taylor. And that's just what we've been seeing with these sales and how they're reaching these charts. Yeah. How have record labels reacted to all of this? Obviously, it could be a bit scary for those Mm. that may have had total control over those music products up until now. And now artists are seeing what Taylor's done. Have they done anything in reaction to this? Yeah. So just recently, actually, uh, seems record companies are a bit worried about what artists will do considering the success that Taylor has achieved. And And major labels, including Universal Music Group, Sony Music and Warner Music, they've recently overhauled contracts for their new artists because they're a bit worried here about the ownership and how that's all going to look in the future. So they've started preventing artists from re-recording their music until 10, 15, or in some cases, even 30 years after they leave the label. And you've got to remember, it, it was only five years for Taylor. So they're really holding on to these artists' work for a longer period of time now. And why are they doing this, you might ask? Well, as we'll hear from Charles, basically all comes down to money like everything and how much the record companies can make. People who own the master recordings and own the publishing rights make the lion's share of the money off uh, any use of those recordings or publishing rights. And it's usually not even close. It's usually about a 90-10 or 80-20 split depending on the artist and depending on the company. What about artists? Are they looking at doing things differently? Well, you'd think in some ways that Taylor is paving the future for up-and-coming artists, but as we've just heard, it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case and there isn't much hope for them in being able to own their own work like Taylor has managed to do. This is what uh, Charles had to say about what we might see in the future. The people in the rooms making those laws with legislatures tend to be the lawyers from large companies. So usually what happens or what has happened over the last 20 or 30 years is a continual diminishment of the rights that most artists have in relation to exploiting their work uh, under copyright law. So I suspect, despite Taylor Swift's extraordinary success, which is obviously so extraordinary as to be completely exceptional, for the vast majority of artists, uh, not much will change. Or if it does change, it'll just get worse, unfortunately. Oh, that's a pity because Mm. it has been really nice to see Taylor take charge and take control of this situation. I think... I can't think of anyone who wouldn't be happy for her except maybe Scooter Braun. Yeah, Um, I'd have to agree with you there. (laughs) Hey, Lauren, thanks for your time today. That was a great chat. Thanks for having me. That was listeners Lauren Howarth chatting to me there about Taylor Swift's decision to re-record her music and all the laws surrounding it. And that's all for today's extra episode of The Briefing. Tom and the team will be back tomorrow morning at 6. 